Thank you, John, for reading God's Word for us uh, this morning. And uh, before I get started uh, on uh, the message this morning, I just want to make a couple of uh, observations. First of all, it's just great to see Paula Spalmer here this morning, isn't it? <laughs> and to see Elena sitting there with the family and... Uh, just great to have Ted and Joanne here today with us and uh, others that we've been praying for. And uh, then I just want to say something about your elders and uh, the search committee. Uh, they have been working long hours. Uh, the elders uh, chaired and led by John, uh, a lot of prayer has gone into this process of looking for a, a pastoral candidate for this church. And uh, the heart of the elders has very much been to find God's person. And I know that's been the heart of the search committee as well. Um, Angel has is, is, uh, been a great chair for that team. And uh, the thing that I'm just uh, so grateful for is the unity between our elder board and our search committee. They are of one heart on who they think God is leading uh, to be your, your next pastor. Elizabeth and I had uh, the privilege of meeting Scott and Susie and actually going out to supper with them uh, one Friday evening. We probably spent three and a half, uh, up to four hours together. Just had a great evening, and uh, it was a, a privilege to get to know them. Uh, he's a, a, a humble guy. He's a shepherd. He's got a shepherd's heart and a, an excellent teacher of the Word of God. I think we're going to make that information available to you, aren't we, so that people can listen to sermons as uh, we prepare to, to welcome them here in, in just a few weeks. So I want to reiterate what John said this morning, and that is be in prayer. Be in prayer for this. The elders have been praying. The search committee has been praying. And now we're asking the entire church family to just ramp up your prayers as we look forward to their visit here in just a, a couple of weeks. All right, well, this is Mother's Day. And immediately after the service, we're going to honor our mothers, wives and grandmothers, aunts and other ladies that have uh, an influence and some kind of a significant impact in the life of a child. In fact, uh, this is Ladies Go First Day. We're going to let you women leave just a little bit early today, okay, to get into the ark. Uh, the men have made some food for you, and it's going to be a special day uh, for you women, and I trust that your families are going to appreciate you in a personal way and just love on you on this very, very special day. Many years ago, I penned this note to my mother, she died in 2009. This is dated 2001. Mom, you're the best. Your faithfulness, your love, your prayer, your discipline, encouragement, and example gave each of us a foundation for life. The many unseen hours of hard work and heartache are bearing visible fruit in your children's lives. Your life has touched hundreds and even thousands of lives 
already through your children, your constant prayer and letters of encouragement. And she used to write letters and make phone calls to me just to keep me propped up. Your phone calls of affirmation and belief keep us and me going. Thank you. I love you, Randy. The more we understand of life, the more we realize how wonderful you've always been. And I'm sure the words of this little note and card capture the words that are in your heart this morning as you think of your mom or perhaps a grandmother or someone who made a significant investment in your life. This is the day that we honor them for all of that investment that they've made in our lives. I was so blessed to have a special mom, and I'm blessed to have the greatest wife in the world. Would you just give it up for Elizabeth for a minute? Thank you. And you need to understand that I'm not biased or prejudiced, okay? But I've been blessed with the very best wife that a man could ever have. She's been willing to forgive me, to be flexible and follow me and follow the Lord wherever we felt like the Lord was leading us. And I just thank you, honey, for all that you've done for me and our children. So now that brings us to Acts chapter 20, verses 17 through 38. And you're probably scratching your head now wondering, what does that have to do with this? What does this passage of Scripture that we read this morning have to do with Mother's Day? Well, I think it has everything to do with Mother's Day. Now, obviously, the context and the backdrop of this passage of Scripture is Paul's farewell to the elders of Ephesus as they meet at Miletus. And Paul has summoned them to his side. They're his spiritual children, and he's going to say goodbye as he embarks on this journey to Rome where ultimately he will be martyred for his faith in Jesus Christ. And so this passage which John read for us just a moment ago is rich with truth about shepherding and about eldering the people of God. It's a great go-to passage for pastors and spiritual leaders in the church that we've been uh, charged to shepherd. It's one of the most poignant passages or pictures in Scripture of a shepherd and his heartfelt relationship with his spiritual children. And I think that shepherding is very much like parenting. And if you're a parent then you have shepherded your children. And so I think we can extrapolate some truths and principles from this passage this morning that apply to every one of us. Whether you're an elder, and we've got elders here, or whether you're a pastor, and I don't know if we've got any vocational pastors here this morning because Don and Jerry aren't here today. Perhaps we've got somebody else in here today. But whether you're an elder or a pastor, 
or you're just a parent, you're a mom or a dad or an aunt or an uncle, but you're responsible for children, whether it's spiritual children in the spiritual realm or your physical children, there are truths in this passage that we just read that apply to every one of us as we invest our lives in younger people. So whatever your role is, I think there's something here that we can take with us when we leave here today. And what I want you to see this morning is that parenting or shepherding, whether it's the church and spiritual children, or whether it's the physical nuclear family and your own children, is all about the heart. And there are four things that I want you to see that I think were a part of Paul's heart toward these spiritual children this morning, heartbeat number one. I want you to notice that he had a tender and a tough heart. Look at verses 19, look at verse 31, and look at verse 37 in this passage of Scripture, which was just read for us. Let me read verses 17 through 19 for you again. From Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church. And when they arrived, he said to them, you know how I lived the whole time I was with you. And underline that little phrase, you know, you know. His life was an open book and he had a tender and a tough heart for these people. You know how I lived the whole time I was with you from the first day that I came into the province of Asia and I served the Lord with great humility and with tears although I was severely tested, the New International Version tells us. Now, if you have the New King James Version this morning, the New King James Version says, with many tears and trials. Underline that phrase, with many tears and trials. Tears and trials. That's parenting, isn't it? That's shepherding. Your life as a parent is filled with many tears if you love your kids, and it's filled with trials. And so also in the church of God, if you're a shepherd, a pastor, an elder, there are tears and there are trials if you're a good shepherd. And so that's part of the parenting process. Notice that Paul had a tender heart and he had a tough heart. He endured trial, he was tough, but he was tender. He shed many a tear for these people that he invested his life with. Underline the word humility there in verse 19. You see that that little phrase, with humility? Underline that word as well. Because if you parented long enough, then you know that parenting is a humbling process, isn't it? If you're a parent long enough, if you pastor enough years, or you're an elder in the church of God, it's humbling. It has a way of humbling you. It tenderizes your heart, and you go through trial in the process. It's bittersweet as a shepherd of the church or a parent in your family. And so Paul says, with many trials and with tenderness or with tears. 
Now, this word trials is an interesting word. Are you looking at verses 19 and 20? Look at your Bible. Listen to the word of God. This Greek word for trials describes adversity and difficulty. It means to test or to examine. It's a word which is used 60 times in the New Testament. And the verb verb means to test or to examine someone. Parenting, whether it's in the spiritual realm or in the physical family, as I just said, has a way of tenderizing your heart as you go through affliction and adversity for your children. And if you take the time this morning to read Acts chapter 18 through 19 and the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and chapter 11, then you'll see this long list, this catalog of stuff that Paul went through for his children. He experienced great difficulty and adversity for these spiritual children that he invested his life in. Now, let's apply this to the physical parenting realm for just a moment. Now, think back on your own life if you're a mother or a dad here this morning, if you're a parent. Whether it's the fatigue of being up at night taking care of that precious newborn baby. And I'm looking out here at Abby now here for just a moment this morning, and Joe's smiling and he's elbowing her because it's obvious that you're the one that gets up at night. How many times did I kick Elizabeth under the bus or feed her to the wolves when the kids were crying when they were growing up? You moms know what I'm talking about. You're smiling now. And Sarah, you're not too far away from it. You you still may be there. And we've got some other wannabe moms that are soon-to-be mothers here in our church family. So whether it's the fatigue of those long nights taking care of that newborn baby, or the anxiety of chasing after that lost toddler in the grocery store. Where are they? Or the panic of rushing your kid to the hospital when they fell off their bike. Or whether it's the worry of staying up half the night for your teenager, wondering if they're going to make it home from prom. You know what I'm talking about as a parent. Because you've been through, many of you, these stages which I'm describing. And if you're a parent, you never do release that responsibility, do you? Because there's the anguish and the heartache and the heartbreak of the choices that your older children make, your adult children, and you want to protect them. You want to do everything you can for them. And you go through that heartache and that heartbreak. A parent's responsibility never ends, and there are trials, and there are tears. To endure, you got to be tough. There's a toughness to it, just like being an elder or a pastor. And I'm thinking now this morning of an event in one of the churches that I pastored along the way, and sitting in a meeting and hearing some stuff that just broke my heart. And, one, and just thinking in disbelief, I never thought 
it would come to this. I never thought it would be like this. And nobody ever saw that night. But I remember going back into my office and I remember standing there. And I can't remember if I got down on my face that night or what I did. But I remember in the dark, just crying, the tears just flowing out. Because if you're a shepherd and you care about your people, sometimes it hurts. It hurts. And you've got to be tough by the grace of God and with the help of God to endure and to keep on. And it's the same thing in parenting. My mind goes back right now to another night where I went to my office in tears. And this time, it wasn't because of the church family. It was because of one of my daughters and a conflict that we had had. And I had sinned. I'd blown it as a dad. And if you parent long enough, it is humbling because you realize that you're imperfect. And somehow, I had to make it right. And I remember going to my office just to get out of the house and sitting down at my desk and taking out a pen and writing a long letter to my daughter, trying to communicate my love and just asking my forgiveness as the tears were there in my heart, trying to make it right. Tears and trials, they're a part of the church and they're a part of the family, the human family. And the ante goes up as life goes on. Paul had a tender and a tough heart. Notice three times in verses 19, 31, and 37, you see his tender heart for his children. Read 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 7. Read 1 Thess chapter 2, verse 9, and you'll get another picture of Paul's tender heart as a nursing maid like a mother with his children. And yet he labored and he toiled that toughness, those trials that he went through for his children. A tender and a tough heart. And you know, I think that humility may be the key to the tenderness and the toughness that I'm trying to, to, to describe now. Because humility, when you're humble before God and you're humble before people, before men, that allows you, that frees you up to be tender and to be tough when you need to be tough. It allows you to be authentic, to be the, the spiritual parent in the spiritual realm. And shepherding is like parenting. And to be the parent to your kids in the physical realm that God calls you to be. And so notice again in verse 19, I serve the Lord with great humility in tears and in trials. Now, the second thing I want you to notice about Paul's heart this morning is that he had an open and obedient heart. Look at verses 18 and 20 and verses 22 through 24, which John read for us earlier. Notice what Paul says to these spiritual children that he calls to his side. When they arrived, he said to them, you know how I lived the whole time I was with you from the first day and I came into the province of Asia. You know that I have not hesitated in the words of the NIV, or I did not shrink back, or I did not hold back, some other translations say, 
to preach anything that would be helpful or profitable to you, but I have taught you publicly and from house to house. Notice that he was obedient and he was open. Look at verse 34. Glance down the page. Paul repeats this phrase, you yourselves know. His life was an open book. Look at First Thess chapter 2, the second part of that verse. He said, I not only imparted to you the gospel, but my very own self, because they had become very dear to him. Effective parenting is not just about showing or sharing information with your children. Yeah, if you're a good parent, you're going to have some family devotions along the way. And your kids are going to get a sermon or two that maybe they didn't really want to hear, but you're going to give it to them anyway. Yes, there is a part to parenting, which is about giving them information, things that they should know. Notice that Paul did that. But parenting is more than that, and shepherding is more than that. It's more than just information. It's also incarnation. Not just informational, but incarnational. It's sharing your life with your kids, not just what you know with your kids. And we see that in Paul's relationship with these, these, these elders and, and these people that he invested in for three years, don't we? Notice that Paul was available. Paul was not just available, he was accessible. And he wasn't just accessible, he was approachable. They knew all about him. Read 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 10, when he writes to Timothy. He said, you know all about, and then he, he gives this long list, not just about my teaching, but my way of life, my purpose, my faith, my patience, my love, my endurance, my persecutions, my suffering. And so I want to hit the pause button now for just a minute and ask you a question. Do your kids know you? Do your kids know you? I love my dad, but I'm not sure I could say that I really knew my dad in my early years because he was so married to his work. And he would admit that to you today if if he was standing up here in front of you. Now, our relationship changed dramatically and he changed dramatically, but it's a legitimate question. Paul was available, accessible, approachable, Can your kids come to you? Can they call you when they need you? Notice his relationship with his kids here. One of the greatest yearnings of a child's heart is for their dad or mom to be open with them and to share their heart with them. I told you about my dad in his early years. I now have another memory of my father walking this trail in the mountains of Colorado together. One morning, walking this dirt trail back into the forest and my dad just talking and sharing his heart with me and our hearts connected in a way. I'll never forget that moment. That's the need of a child. Are you available to your parents? Paul was open and then he was obedient 
Notice verses 20 through 24. I'm going to read it again. And now compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. Underline that phrase, compelled by the Spirit. Underline that phrase. Not knowing what will happen to me. Sometimes when we're obedient to the will of God, we feel compelled. We know that God wants us to do this, but we really don't know what the outcome is going to be, but we're going to be obedient anyway. Obedience is very important in the Christian life, and it's very important in the parent-child relationship. Faithful obedience is the sign of a living faith. And if you're not obeying, then I've got a question about well, how's your faith this morning? Because faithful obedience is a sign of a living faith. And you see Paul being obedient to the Spirit of God here and doing what he thinks God is asking him to do to complete the task that the Lord has given him. Read verses 22 through 24. Paul was obedient to the will of God. And now my mind goes to another image in my own life of not my dad, but my father-in-law when he came out to Boston, and I was a student at Gordon-Conwell Seminary, and he preached from the passage of Acts chapter 28, and he quoted this verse in Acts chapter 26, pardon me, not 28, and he said, so then, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the vision from heaven. My father-in-law obeyed God to the best of his ability, even though at times it was tough for his wife and tough for his kids. Being obedient to God in our lives is so important. Think of my own dad and mom. They were willing to sell that milk business in Colorado Springs, Colorado, after they came to Christ. Just sell it all, and we moved to Latin America. Guess what? I remember very few devotionals that my father gave. But that one decision to move to Latin America marked me for the rest of my life because they were willing to give it all up and obey God. It's one of the most important things you can do for your kids is to be obedient to the will of God. It's a sacrifice, but it's important to do what God calls you to do and be what he wants you to be. I think of the Mitchells that that moved to Africa And it marked, can I say, little Tommy? (laughs) Who ended up on the mission field. And I think part of that was your parents' decision. They were willing to take a risk and do that. I think of people like Bob Borman and his passion for missions. And people like John Wishenburn down here on the second row here this morning and his, his ministry to bikers. Just being obedient to the will of God in the little things and the big things. And guess what? Sometimes it's the little things. It's the little things. The daily choices of faithful obedience when your kids see you obeying daily in the daily details that are more important than the big dramatic decisions. Like Paul being willing to go to Rome. It was the three years of modeling before that. But obedience 
to the will of God in your life. It's so important as elders in the spiritual family. It's important in the human family as well. Now, just very quickly, notice the third heartbeat of Paul in this relationship with his kids. He had a reminding and a releasing heart. Look at verses 28 through 31 in verse 32. He said, I didn't hesitate to proclaim to you the whole will of God, the whole thing. That means I'm willing to preach on Leviticus as well as preach on the gospel of John, whatever it is, but the whole counsel of the word of God because it's all the word of God. Every bit of it. He was a shepherd to the church. He warned them night and day. He reminded them, and that word there, to warn, means to call to mind, to call to their attention, to caution them, to admonish them, to reprove them. And incidentally, reminding is not the same thing as nagging. How many times when you were a kid did did you wish, just stop it, okay, I've heard it before. And so that's a great Bible study question. What's the difference between warning in a heartfelt way and nagging? Because I don't think they're the same thing. But Paul was faithful to remind, to teach, to instruct, to reprove, to admonish for their well-being. And notice he didn't hold back anything. And as parents, we shouldn't either. We should be diligent and faithful in teaching our children, modeling by mouth and by life. Don't renege on your responsibility. And incidentally, you know what keeps us from doing this as parents so often? Fatigue and busyness. I think those are the two biggest enemies of the age, aren't they? Fatigue, we're just too tired to teach. Fatigue. In busyness, we're just too busy to bother. And that's what keeps us from doing this. And guess what? It's the same thing in the church. Sometimes we're just so busy, so busy with the activity of the ministry that we don't do the ministry. The very thing that God's talking about here. So leave some time and energy for your kids, for the important things, for the truly important things. Don't get to the end of life and look back and have to say, ah, wish I'd done that, wish I'd told them that, but I was just too busy. And sometimes when our kids were young, I've got to admit, I was just so busy that I was too tired to do what I really should have been doing because I didn't have the energy left over in the home to do the most important things. And then notice he released them. He reminded them, but he released them. Tim Kimmel says, my job as a parent is a temporary responsibility with eternal consequences. M.O. Vincent said, Children are strange possessions. We raise them so we can lose them. There are four primary stages in the parenting process, forming, shaping, guiding, and influencing. And I would add a fifth stage now that I'm at this stage of my life. It's the stage that's 
reserved for grandparents. It's called spoiling. But there comes a time when you have to release your kid. The Spalmers had to do it with Elena last year. My parents had to do it with me. You raise them in order to release them. There comes a time where you have to let go. And you have to let them go with God. It's part of the discipling process. And it's part of the parenting process. And we're going to see that again on June 11th here in just a few weeks when we celebrate Graduation Sunday. Notice verse 32 in this chapter. Now I commend you, I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those that are sanctified. And this Greek word means to set before or to give over, to surrender, to deposit with the Lord. It's important to release our children. My dad once told me, when I asked him, Dad, what advice would you give me? He said, Randy, point them to Christ. If you don't do anything else in your life, point your kids to Christ because they won't always have you. Release them to the Lord and to his word. Be faithful to remind them, but be willing to release them. And guess what? releasing never has an end. When my kids left for college, I thought, well, that's it. Or when they got married, I thought, well, that's it. But you know what? As a parent, and if you have a parent's heart, if you're an elder, a pastor, and you got that heart, your responsibility never ends. You're continually having to release them, release them, release them. Give them back over to God and his word, so that he can do his work, his work in their lives. And then the last thought this morning, protecting and praying. Paul had a protecting and a praying heart. Look at verses 28 through 31 again. Why did he warn them? Why did he teach them? Why did he admonish them? Because he wanted to protect them. And that's the heart of a parent. That's the heart of a shepherd. He wants to protect them. He doesn't want them to mess up. And so that's part of it, protecting them. He instructed them to protect them. But that's not the same thing as controlling your child. And so next week, if you get in your small groups and you study this stuff, here's another good Bible study question. And I'll just ask you, what's the difference between protecting and controlling? Because I don't think they're the same thing. And here's another good question to ask yourself. How do you protect your child without developing a critical and nagging spirit? And then look at verse 36. Notice that they knelt there and they were praying on that beach. Praying. Here's a challenge for you this morning. Take your Bible home. Open it up this week. Don't let the sermon be the end of it. Open it up this week and just do a Bible study on how many times Paul prayed for his spiritual children in the New Testament. It was endless. It was countless. Over and over again, he was praying for them. And at this point in my life, I think what I'm learning is the most important thing I can do as a parent 
is to pray for them. And in reality, when you're praying, you're, you're protecting, aren't you? That's the most important thing. So, as we leave here today, go to all the seminars on parenting that you want to go to. Listen to all the sermons on Mother's Day and Father's Day about parenting that you can listen to. It's all good stuff. It's all good stuff. But at the end of the day, you know what your kid's going to remember? He's going to remember your heart. Paul had a tender heart and a tough heart, open and obedient heart. He reminded them, but he had a releasing heart, and he had a protecting and a praying heart. May it be so with us this morning, God. Let's worship together as our team comes and leads us, and as we close out this service and celebration this morning, let's stand together as we just worship the Lord.